Hello, and welcome back to Tackling Football with Chloe Singer. Today, we are going to start off reacting to news from the first week of games and discuss their implications for teams moving forward. Then we're going to talk about why defense has dominated in week one, whether defenses will continue to dominate, and what this all means for the season. Lastly, I'll preview upcoming week two games. But before we get into all that, if you enjoy listening to this content, please give this podcast a like, comment, or follow. Your support and engagement goes a long way in helping me continue to produce quality content. Every week during the season, I will go over some of the top stories and news that came out of this past week of games. In order to make this segment a bit more fun and interesting, I have dubbed it Fallout or Ballout, as we'll be discussing whether the week's events will lead to some kind of fallout that will persist, or if they are just a blip and the team is going to go on to ball out. Up first, The defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs lost at home on Thursday night to the Lions. And the Chiefs didn't look great. In particular, their receiving corps struggled as a unit and had eight drops. Kadarius Toney, their supposed wide receiver one, had three crucial drops with two coming on third downs and one being returned for a pick six. Yet, they only lost by one point. With Chris Jones re-signed and Travis Kelsey currently on track to play in week two, I expect the Chiefs to bounce back and ball out next week. The second piece of news and arguably the biggest thing that happened this past weekend was Aaron Rodgers tearing his Achilles and being ruled out for the season. Obviously, there will be a lot of fallout from this for the Jets, who end up in an eerily familiar situation. They have an elite, amazing defense and an offense with weapons in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, run by a below, below average quarterback in Zach Wilson. Could the team look elsewhere and try to sign or trade for another QB? I suppose so. But the options on the open market are not great. The trio of former Colts quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Nick Foles, are probably the most talented free agents. Wentz is turnover prone and would not be an ideal option to support the Jets' defense. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan, who seemed like an ideal game manager, also had turnover issues last season, throwing for 13 interceptions and only 14 touchdowns. Ryan, due to his limited mobility, also fumbled a career-high 15 times. Nick Foles, the third Colts cast-off, also had similar issues and just has not looked good playing football for a long time. In his two starts with the Colts last season, he threw for four interceptions and no touchdowns. There's a reason these guys do not have jobs. As for potential trade candidates, Most quarterback options that are 
better than Wilson, are unavailable. The Rams shot Matthew Stafford in the offseason, but after winning, and winning convincingly versus the Seahawks, they are unlikely to let him go. The Jets could trade for Kyler Murray, as it seems Arizona is ready to move on from him and draft their new franchise quarterback. But the trade would be complicated, as Murray is still coming back from an ACL tear and would come with a substantial cap hit. I think the Jets end up running it back with Zach, who hopefully is able to take a step forward after receiving some tutelage from Aaron Rodgers this offseason. At the very least, this will give the Jets another chance to assess their former second overall pick and decide if they want to exercise his fifth-year option. The third biggest story to me coming out of this weekend was just how bad the Bengals looked in week one. This was a rainy, ugly game. But the question has to be asked, is Joe Burrow's preseason knee injury healed? On Sunday, the Bengals ran 98% of their snaps out of shotgun, which is an extreme number. For reference, last season, they ran only 66% of their plays out of shotgun. One reason the Bengals might have done this is to limit the amount Joe Burrow would have to move. This strategy has previously been employed with Russell Wilson in 2021 and Aaron Rodgers in 2015 when both quarterbacks were struggling with injuries. And Burrow's play was affected. His limited mobility made it so that he was unable to extend plays or scramble. And this all suggests that he's not all the way back, which is a concern. Injuries are usually downplayed, and we often don't find out about just how much an injury affected a player until the end of the season or the next year. A few examples come to mind. This was the case with Rogers' aforementioned 2015 injury, which was later revealed to be an ACL tear in his left knee that he ended up having surgery on shortly after the season. That year, Rogers' production dropped off significantly as he set career lows in completion percentage at 60.7, yards per attempt at 6.7, and his passing yards per game, 238.8, was his career low until 2022, where he had only 217.4. Before the 2020 season, Alvin Kamara revealed that the ankle and knee injury he suffered in week six of 2019 was actually a torn menial collateral ligament, or MCL tear. Kamara played through the injury for the rest of the season and only sat out two games. And sure enough, he was less effective as a result. He was credited with 26 broken tackles in his first five games and just 13 broken tackles in the following nine games after suffering the injury per pro football reference. His rate of 5.3 yards gained per touch was the lowest of his career at the time. And in 2020, fully healthy, Kamara's average yards gained per touch went up to 6.3. Just this offseason, it was revealed how much Matthew Stafford's preseason elbow injury had affected him last season. As Sean McVay told reporters, quote, that the elbow injury was a little bit different than what the team had expected. 
in terms of recovery time. As a result of the lingering injury, Stafford threw for just 2,087 yards, 10 touchdowns, and eight interceptions in nine games before being ruled out for the season with a shoulder contusion. In each case, these players had a lingering injury that they played through during the season, and as a result, their level of play dropped significantly. If Burrow's calf injury continues to persist, the Bengals' ceiling will be considerably lower. Arguably the biggest story of the weekend was the defensive dominance we saw in week one. In a pass-happy league, only four teams threw for over 300 pass yards. Teams were held to an average of 20.5 points and turned the ball over on 12.6% of plays. Pro Football Reference has a statistic that measures the expected points contributed by all defense called EXP. EXP adds up how the defense performed relative to expectation. A positive number means they perform better than expected, and a negative number means they perform worse. Defenses often have a negative number in this category because they are usually unable to add many expected points. In 2022, just eight teams had positive EXP. The 49ers, Patriots, Cowboys, Jets, Eagles, Commanders, Broncos, and Bills. Yet, in week one, 21 teams had a positive EXP. Dallas led all teams with an EXP of 27.25, as they were not only able to allow fewer points than expected, but generated turnovers that directly produced points. But we knew the Cowboys would have a good defense under Dan Quinn. However, there were a lot of teams that played well, that were completely unexpected. In the Titans, the Vikings, the Rams, Browns, Falcons, and the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals, a team supposedly taking, were downright impressive on defense, especially their front seven, with Zayvon Collins getting two takeaways and Dennis Gardeck, a 60-year vet out of Sanu Falls, having three quarterback hits and two sacks. So why did defenses dominate week one? One argument is that offenses were rusty. NFL teams are making an effort to cut down on exposure to injury in the preseason. And as a result, there are less padded practices, only three preseason games, and most teams don't play their starters in those games. After the Eagles offense looked a bit rusty in week one, head coach Nick Sirianni said that he wished he had played his starters for a few series in the preseason. But even for week one, offensive performances were historically bad compared to other first week NFL offenses. Since 2001, offenses in week one of 2023 ranked last in expected points added per play and third to last in success rate, which measures the offense's efficiency. So if offenses usually are not this bad in week one, then maybe it's not rust. Another explanation is that this week was just an anomaly. One week is a small sample size and can be fluky. 
Rainy weather affected some games on the East Coast, and other scores were completely lopsided. But if we look at how defenses dominated in week one, it was often through bottling up the run game. Teams averaged 3.8 yards per carry, which is much lower than their average over their past 10 years, which is 4.27 yards per carry. This speaks to the fact that offensive lines struggled against defensive lines in week one. And line play usually is not very fluky. Now, can defenses sustain this success or will offenses rebound? The short and obvious answer is that some will and some will not. Many offenses did not get enough run in the preseason. Teams are still building chemistry and coordinators will make appropriate adjustments. By and large, I expect offenses to look better moving forward and for defensive statistics to regress back to the mean. However, I do think there is some long-term significance to the defensive performances we saw in week one. I believe that week one demonstrated yet again that at the end of the day, great defense wins games, divisions, and ultimately championships. In particular, being strong on the line, offensive and defensive, makes a big difference. NFC favorites, the Eagles, 49ers, and Cowboys, all have dominant defenses, offensive, and defensive lines. When all is said and done, I think one of them ends up winning the Super Bowl. Now time for my favorite segment, predictions. In week one, we learned a lot about teams. Some lived up to their preseason hype, like the Lions, and some collapsed, like the Steelers and Seahawks. As we head into week two, here are some games I'm targeting. First, the Indianapolis Colts take on the Houston Texans, who are home underdogs by one and a half points. Both rookie QBs, C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson played well in their NFL debuts. Stroud was 28 of 44, threw for 242 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, and had a total QBR of 21.2. Richardson was 24 of 37, threw for 223 yards, one touchdown, one pick, added 40 rushing yards and touchdown, and had a total QBR of 23.4. Beyond the two QBs, I was impressed with the Texans' defense. Texans' D held Lamar Jackson to just 168 yards passing and 38 yards on the ground. Will Anderson Jr., who was picked between Stroud and Richardson in April, played really well in the opener, generating two QB hits, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Richardson, an athletic quarterback, plays a similar style as Lamar Jackson. Therefore, I think D'Amico Ryans will be able to put together a good game plan to contain Richardson. On the other side of the ball, the Texans' offensive line, which was supposed to be a strength coming into the season, is banged up. Since day seven of training camp, the Texans lost five offensive linemen. 
Now, the Colts' defense is not very good, but its strength is their front seven led by DeForest Bunkner. So the Texans will have to figure out the right alignment up front before Sunday. If the Texans line is able to come together, Stroud should have better luck versus a weak Colts secondary than he did versus the Ravens. This matchup could go either way, but I'll give the edge to the home underdog Texans behind a strong defensive effort. The second game that intrigues me this weekend is the New York Jets at the Dallas Cowboys with the Cowboys favored by nine and a half points. Dallas was incredible versus the Giants. And the New York Jets offensive prospects are considerably worse without Aaron Rodgers. But is the spread too large? Can the Cowboys replicate their success? As a Jets fan, I know how much this offense struggled under Zach Wilson last year. And to be perfectly honest, I do not have a lot of trust that he will be able to lead this offense to many scores versus a smothering Dallas defense. However, the Jets defense is also elite. Jordan Whitehead reached his season-long incentive of three interceptions in just one game versus one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Josh Allen. This game will be a low-scoring affair like the Bills game or the Broncos game from a year ago. Ultimately, I think the Jets' defense does enough to keep this game close and beat the spread. Now, picking a third game was hard, but I went to go with the Kansas City Chiefs at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chiefs are road favorites by three points, and I think the Chiefs end up covering this spread. This bet is largely on the Chiefs not going 0-2 to start the year. And a bet against the Jaguars' defense that rookie Anthony Richardson looked pretty good against. While the Jaguars' offense should be good this year, their defense is a real liability. I think the Jaguars end up having a good year and winning a lot of games, but I trust Mahomes and Andy Reid to find a way to exploit their weaknesses. After an embarrassing loss in prime time, the Chiefs right the ship with a big road victory and cover the spread. That's all for today. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a like, comment, and follow. I'll be back next week to discuss week two and make some predictions for week three. I will also be releasing a video version of this podcast on YouTube and be releasing bonus content on TikTok and Instagram. You can find me on all socials at Chloe Tackles. Until next time, bye.